0: this is Dr. Todd Watson. Uh, I'm your host for the uh, ArborPod interview series and today I'm here with um, Dr. Michael uh, Raup, who is a professor of entomology and an extension specialist at the University of Maryland. Um, you may have seen his uh, website Bugs of the Week and uh, he's a specialist in, in looking at uh, plant defen- defenses and beneficial insects uh, His ways of helping us control some of our important uh, uh, insects of trees. So, welcome uh, Dr. Rob. Thanks for being here.
1: Todd, great to be here today.
0: My pleasure. Um, The the title of this is CSI, CSI for Bugs, Honing Your Diagnostic Skills and what exactly is CSI for Bugs?
1: Well, Todd, I think everybody on the planet by now has seen some of these CSI shows. I love them. Crime Scene Investigator, think about it. When you arrive at a client's property, you are just like a crime scene investigator. You're not going to see the perpetrator standing over a body with a bloody knife. You're going to see a tree. It might have dieback. back. It might have holes in the leaves. You're going to have to use those clues, that evidence that the bug leaves behind, just like a crime scene investigator would, to identify who the perpetrator is. Once you've identified the perpetrator, then you can come up with a way to smack down those paths. So it all starts with proper identification, just
0: like a crime scene investigator. Okay, so you're at the crime scene. <clears throat> You're uh, trying to determine who the perpetrator is. How do you go through, what kind of things you do when you're making a diagnosis?
1: One of the first things I do is I'll look and see how widespread the problem is. I want to see if this particular uh, injury to the plant, let's say it's browning. I want to see if it's just on one plant or is it on several plants. Now, if it's on several different plants, hey, this is telling me that this may be some kind of abiotic stress, in other words, a stress caused by the environment. It could be salt damage on roadside trees. It could be uh, somebody poured an herbicide, perhaps on the ground underneath these things. It could simply be a very hot environment and all the trees are showing heat stress or drought stress, something like this. So the first thing I try to do is rule out these non-living, we call these abiotic stress factors, that are causing these particular symptoms on the tree. The next thing I will do, if it's just an isolated tree, now I begin to investigate a little bit more thoroughly. I try to see is the pattern of damage uniform across the tree, or is it isolated perhaps just to a branch. For example, if we have borers in the bowl of that tree in the trunk, it may cause dieback through the entire canopy of the tree. Whereas if we have a scale insect infestation or perhaps caterpillars defoliating, that may only occur on part of the tree. So now what I'm doing is I'm basically taking what we call symptoms, which are general characteristics of injury to the tree and symptoms are nonspecific. They could be caused by an environmental stress, they could be caused by a disease, they could be caused by an insect. So symptoms give us a clue as to what's going on, but now what we do is we switch over and we begin to look for signs. We begin to look for the actual evidence of the perpetrator. Sometimes it could be the perpetrator itself. It could be a scale insect on the bark. It could be a caterpillar on a leaf. Or it could be the hole that a borer leaves behind as it exits from that plant. And this is how we combine the use of symptoms, which are nonspecific signs of injury. We combine them with the signs that the insect leaves behind, or the insect itself, to arrive at the correct diagnosis.
0: How is this information uh, good for an arborist? How can they use this kind of information in their business to do a much better job at diagnosing insect problems?
1: Well, Todd, one of the things I'd like to do is keep it fairly simple. So what I've done is I've put these different kinds of damage categories into five distinct groups. I like to keep it simple. I use a little mnemonic. I say there's one C three D's and something else. The one C stands for chewing. These are the chewing insects, things like caterpillars, sawfly larvae, beetles. One of the D's is discoloration. When sucking insects feed on plants they remove chlorophyll. Leaf miners will remove leaf tissue. This causes the leaf to change from green to yellow or white. The next D stands for distortion. When insects feed on meristematic tissue, in other words, the growing tips of plants or on cambium, they will actually distort or deform the plant. That leaves behind a unique kind of damage that we can then tie back to the perpetrator. The third type of D damage is dieback. When we see dieback in a plant, we know that something very nasty has happened to the vascular system. Perhaps somebody's cut a trench across the roots of the tree. Maybe somebody compressed all the air out of the soil with a, with a bulldozer. Or maybe we have a borer in the bark of that tree that's destroyed the vascular tissue, causing dieback back up in the canopy. And the f- fifth member of our uh, five-member group is something else. Something else stands for the products that insects leave behind. As insects move their way through the world, caterpillars will leave behind silk. Lace bugs will leave behind terrible fecal deposits. Oh, that's nasty on the undersurface of leaves. Um, we'll see cocoons sometimes. These are all signs that we can use to help identify the perpetrator. Once we know who the perpetrator is, then we can design the correct intervention technique. Then we can decide if we want to use something like BT Bacillus thuringiensis which is specific for caterpillars to smack down those caterpillars or if it's a sawfly that's causing our defoliation hey we may want to come in with something like conserve so to identify the perpetrator allows the arborist to choose the correct intervention, the correct tool to go in and use to smack down those pests and eliminate the problem.
0: Yeah, I think that's good information on keeping it simple when they're out there, but you know, really entomology is fairly complex, right? Otherwise there wouldn't be a PhD offered in it. So where can an arborist in the field go to get more information on identifying insects and even how to control them since that keeps changing so much.
1: There are excellent reference books. I usually I use the internet very, very heavily. There are wonderful books, uh, the books produced by ISA, their guide to uh, plant health care is a wonderful reference. Of course, the Johnson and Lyons series, uh, my Bug of the Weep website. I'll put a shameless plug in for that right now. I, I discuss many different pests that we find on trees and shrubs. But there's just a tremendous wealth of information right now on the Internet, and I think everybody that's got, that has a computer right now has access to just world-class information on any of these pests. This is always my first source. And then a, a fairly limited stock of reference books which uh, help me
0: to diagnose these problems. Excellent. Um, when should an arborist seek the help of a diagnostic lab or an entomologist? I think
1: anytime you're not sure, I think the longer you do this work, the more experience you have, the more proficient you become, and this should be every arborist's goal, to be as expert in diagnostic as they can possibly be. But hey, we all get stuck. I always walk down the hallway. When I've got something, I can't tell what disease it is. I go right down the hallway to the pathologist, and I try to get a diagnosis. This is how we learn, and to me... The learning part of this is the fun part of this. So anytime you're stuck, anytime you see something you've never seen before, and if you're not sure, always consult a specialist. Every uh, land-grant institution in every state has an entomologist, has a plant pathologist. Many states have diagnostic labs even depend on the experts. The old timers in the field have a wealth of knowledge. So within the discipline of our Bora culture, there are wonderful experts that can help you with a diagnosis. It's always better to ask a question and get the correct answer than to be shooting from the hip and flying by the seat of your pants and making a bad diagnosis. That's when you get into real trouble is when you make a bad recommendation. So if you're not sure Always consult an expert. Find help. There are people out there that are delighted to help you.
0: Excellent. Okay, now I have a personal question. This is one that's been bugging me. Excuse the pun. No pun intended. That's right. I have a daughter that loves bugs, came out of the womb wanting to play with bugs. It took me forever to get her to not pick up spiders. I have a son that will scream like a little girl if you bring a cicada near him where my daughter will grab it and tie a thread on it and make her own little helicopter that she plays with. So I'm a, uh, I have a PhD in plant pathologist and plant pathologists are weird, people that work with fungi and, and viruses and bacteria. You're a fun guy. I'm a fun guy to be with. So, um, but we don't deal with things that crawl and are creepy and that and might bite you. So when I look at my kids, I'm wondering, or entomologists? are you just born that way? I'm not sure, I think as a plant pathologist maybe I had some childhood trauma but as an entomologist you're just born that way or it's just something that when you're young you've you got a really big interest and in, you saw someone talk about insects or someone taught them to you and you, uh, you just got interested somewhere along the way? Great question. There are three
1: things that led me to this. Number one, my mother always used to tell me turn off the TV, go outside and play. I followed that advice. I, that's how I began to love nature. Number two, when I was a kid it was one of those years that we had the outbreak of cicadas, the periodical cicadas. I think my older brothers probably collected a million cicadas, and they must have put them in my crib or my baby carriage. So as little ducklings will imprint on a human being and follow them around, I must have imprinted on bugs because I've been following them around my entire life. Number three, I was a pre-med major in college for a short period of time. I took a course in medical entomology. From a crazy old dude at Rutgers, that guy was fascinating and I began to study insects and enjoy insects and I've been hooked ever since. I've been following bugs ever since and I think bugs are just fantastic things.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. There's a lot of arborists that are glad that you uh, that you like bugs because you're uh, helping a lot of us try to figure out some of the uh, problems that just keep cropping up. So.
1: Well, it's fantastic, and working with arborists is one of the true delights of my life. It's one of my very favorite things to do, and this is the best bunch of guys in the world. It's my pleasure.
0: Well, thank you very much for being here, and uh, for everyone listening, stay tuned for our next interview on the uh, ArborPod series. Thank you. Thank you.